Hey, Sharon, is that you? Yeah. What you doing? Oh, uh, well, um, I, uh, I just got up. I was up this morning. Oh, well, I was calling, because remember the other day you said we were going to be accountability partners? Yeah, I know. I, uh, I had good intentions, but, you know, Monday morning, I'm tired, and it's just hard to get going. And well, I was just calling to see where you was at last night. You know, we had small groups Sunday night. Steelers are playing at 4 o'clock, and I just could not miss that game. You know, they're my Seriously? team. You missed church to watch a football game? Well, you know, it's almost like being there. When, when, when you're seeing it and things are happening right then, and I was afraid, like, if I came to church, uh, someone might say something, and then I'd never watch it later. It'd run it. It'd run it for me. I've got to watch it when it's on. I mean, it's not on every Sunday at 4 o'clock, so probably next Sunday I'll be there. Everybody's, if, if got, everybody's got their own priorities. And if it's on Monday night, you know I'll be there Sunday night, so I won't miss. Okay. But I, I, Everybody's got priorities. Yeah, that's true. See you next that, Sunday, maybe? Um, or is when, there a game when on? the team's playing. Uh, let me check. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll get back with you on that. Okay. Well, I just want to ask you about this devotion. You know that devotion we agreed to do? I... I know. I I'm, got so called up in it the other night that I forgot all about American Idol being on. Who got kicked off? Did you watch it? Uh, of course. You know I watch everything that's on, especially the new seasons and everything. Oh, I've, I've got to stay up on all of it. And I buy all the magazines about it, you know. If there's something about them in the magazines, I'm going to get it. Oh, wow. you got all, all the latest, the juiciest, all that stuff. Man, I just love it. And, oh, you can get on the computer... Oh, there's a, I forgot, there's a show on right now, Entertainment, it comes on. So I want to get all the scoop, all the juice. Well, I just want to ask you, what do you think about the devotion that we were doing, though? Did you find time to read it? Um, I'm going to get to that. I really really mean to. I really mean to, but all this stuff, you know, the game and the show on. Again, I I guess we all have priorities. The show on, right. Okay. Well, maybe next week. I know, I know. It's a really yeah. good devotion. Um, yeah, keep keep up with me. Yeah, okay, I'll keep you accountable. I know you will. I know, I appreciate it. We'll but see you Wednesday night. Okay, Lady okay. Bible study. Yeah, yeah, i, I got to go. I've got some shopping to do. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so. All right. But thanks for calling. Don't forget your devotion. We'll see you. We'll see you. Talk with you. Love you. Love you. Bye. All that good stuff. Bye. <laughs> Let's see. Where's my Bible? Uh, well, i got to go to the store. All these sales i got to go to the store. Um, Lord, Lord, you know I meant to. I was going to get up this morning. I was going to do it, I promise. You know, you, know, you know I was going to, right? Okay. So, but I'm busy right now. I mean, on the phone, getting up late, all that stuff. i got to go to the store. Um, let me try again in the morning, okay? Bye, Lord. All right. Can anybody relate to that? I think I don't think anybody here can relate to that, can they? Everybody has time for everything. Of course, 
If it means missing the Steelers game, I'll do anything to miss that. But you know, when she was talking about somebody would ruin it and tell her about it, it would have been me. Because the thing I really like is when the Steelers and Dallas are losing, I love to tell Sharon and Pastor Mike about it. I just love it. So, so, so. Well, are these things turned on? These things scare me. Okay, sorry. This thing on my head's enough. Um, how are we doing tonight? Okay, I want to talk to you tonight. Most of you here have heard my story in the past, and I'm not going to bore you with it, but most of you know um, that, that I've not always been a pastor. I've not always been uh, doing biker ministry. I've not always been a Christian. In fact, up until December 9th of 2000, uh, I was an atheist. I was the farthest thing removed from this setting right here. And then one day, I took what God offered me, forgiveness, mercy, grace, and love, and my life changed. Most of y'all know that when you accept Christ, you don't automatically become the super-Christian. Well, some might, but, but it didn't work that way for me. We don't normally become a super-Christian, and overnight, all those things that we used to do just kind of dissolve and go away. Most of it, we call it a process. And I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about, about what, what I believe the Bible tells us about that process. If I ask most people in this room tonight, most people will tell me that they got something going on in their life that's really bothering them. they got a trouble, an issue, some kind of pain or hurt in their life that they're just dealing with. It may be physical. It may be mental. It may be emotional. But every one of us has something, and that's what I want to talk to you about. Uh, you know, up until I became that guy that said, God, I want you, I want what you offer, I was a whole different person. But then one day my life changed. Tonight I want to talk to you about how our lives can change. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of John, chapter 5, and I want to kind of talk to you a little bit about what, what the Bible tells us about getting over, uh, about moving on, about change, and most important, about the things that God offers us. So if you've got your Bibles, John chapter 5, we're going to start in verse, uh, at verse 1, and, uh, and, and I, want to, I want to share a story with you. I want to share a story with you that offers us several things. It offers us, uh, it offers us hope. It share, shows it that there is there is help out there, and it also shows that your current situation, no matter how bad you may think it is, can be changed in a blink of an eye. Do you believe that? can be changed in a blink of an eye, and we're going to talk about that. Our scripture picks up, and Jesus and his disciples are on a mission trip. They're going across the region, and they're spreading the good news about who? About him. He is the Messiah. He's come to save this world. He has come to pay the cost for our sins. Now, a lot of people at that time don't have a clue who he is. They kind of somewhat believe him. They, they're not really sure. Some are chasing him because of what he's saying is so radical they want to kill him. But we do know that he is on a mission trip across the, uh, across the region to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is all about. And he's living out the gospel. I want to pick up and I want to talk to us about the first, 
I want to take this in, in small chunks, but I want to read to you the first six verses, and then we're going to talk about that, and then we'll move on. So follow me. It says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which is aromatic, which in aromatic is called Bethesda. Now, I'm from the northern Virginia area, so Bethesda means Maryland to me, but this is called Bethesda, so I don't think it's in Maryland. And which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Now, I want you to stop right there and look at your Bible. Does anybody have a verse 4 in their Bible? Okay, you must be reading King James or some of those ancient ones. Most people don't have a verse 4. It's omitted in some versions. If you're reading the NIV or the Message or one of those newer translations, you don't see a verse 4. And it gets a little tricky. There's a lot of argument about why it's not in there. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of speculation. But I'm only here to tell you that this, for some reason, those certain Bibles chose to leave that out. But I did a little digging. What was verse 4? According to the King James Version, verse 4 says it adds to 3 and it says there were, uh, were people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the waters. He kind of stirred them up. It says, whosoever then first went first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Can you see that? Here's a pool. All these uh, people that are disabled, uh, they're, they're, they're crippled, they're, they're, they're sick, whatever ails them is by this pool. An angel comes down periodically, whatever a season means in the Bible, stirs the waters up, and the first one that gets in gets healed. Pretty cool, ain't it? Pretty cool. Instantaneous healing. But it's only that first one. Would you be the one sitting on the edge of the pool, waiting? Be the one sitting there waiting. We're going. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? It's a simple question, isn't it? Do you want to get well? I'm going to tell you, I can picture Jesus. See, I'm one of them kind of guys, I like to picture Jesus. And to me, Jesus is a little bit more animated than we think he is. Some of us think Jesus is this, you know, real stern father type and, you know, never has a smile on his face. I, I tend to disagree with that. I think Jesus, he liked the challenge. I think he had a good sense of humor. And I think he really looked puzzled at times. Can you imagine walking up to a guy and saying, hey, what's going on with you? And he goes, well, I've been sitting by this pool for 38 years waiting to get in. Jesus is probably scratching his head. He's probably got this perplexed look on his face and goes, are you kidding me? 38 years? You've been sitting here for 38 years? And see, Jesus is not dumb. Jesus knows what this pool is all about. He knows that when the angels, who sends the angels, stir the water up, that the first one in gets healed by the water. Okay, believe that. And, and so he knows all about this place, but he's thinking to himself, this guy's been sitting here for 38 years, and he's still an invalid. Can you see his puzzle? Look on his face. Can you see the surprise on his face going, what's up with you? 
38 years? Are you kidding me? You've been sitting in this condition for 38 years? It's not as bad as, as, as some might think. Jesus is so perplexed, he doesn't ask him a series of questions about what's wrong with you, what can I do to help you, can I pray for you? He just looks at him and says, do you want to get well? It's a simple question. You would think it would be a simple answer. You would think he's been sitting there for 38 years by a pool that's supposed to be, is supposed to miraculously heal somebody. You'd think the answer would have been a quick yes. But look on at what he says. He says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Did you hear that? Here he is. He's been sitting there for 38 years. He's been at the edge of this pool waiting to fall in for an angel to stir the waters up, going to miraculously heal him. And the first person he blames is who? Somebody else. It's always somebody else's fault. They've been holding me back. They got in my way. Nobody will help me. Jesus is probably is even more confused, and he's probably starting to get a little irritated right about now. What do you mean no one's here to help you? How would you get here to start with? You're here. Where would you come from? You're here. But see, this guy automatically starts blaming someone else. He fails to take responsibility for his own failure. The skit kind of showed a little bit of that. Here's one person talking that has, is, is excited about Bible study, is excited about church. And this other person's got all these excuses of why they can't. They've got shows to watch. They've got things to do. They're really busy. wonder how long she's been sitting by the edge of the pool. Think about that. There comes a time in a Christian walk well, we have to realize several things. First of all, there is a healing uh, available. Am I right? There's a healing available. He's sitting by the pool of water. The pool of water is known to cause healing powers. The pool of water is known that the first one that gets in it is going to be healed of whatever ails them. All they have to do is what? Get in the water. Hello? You hear me? I want to talk to you about this. I just want to camp out on this for a few minutes because what happens here is, is that Jesus knows this guy says he wants to get healed by his, by his position. He's by the water. But by his demeanor, I don't think the guy really is sure what he wants. I want you to look at the next verse and see what Jesus does. And this is hope right here for us. Because help is, help is available. I'm doing a men's study uh, on Wednesday nights about superheroes of the Bible. And we're talking about how, you know, during circumstances, the superhero would swoop in and save the day. Well, the superhero, the biggest superhero of the Bible is getting ready to swoop in. Watch this. Jesus, I'm sure, is about at his wits right now on this guy. Here's a guy who's been sitting here for 38 years. And he's too lazy to fall in the water. He's got an excuse of why he hasn't fallen in the water. He hasn't answered Jesus when Jesus says, do you want to get well? All he did was make excuses. And look what Jesus does. Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. 
Now that statement alone, don't go any farther than that, that statement alone says that Jesus has the true healing power. And it's available, and all it means is he has to speak it. And he speaks it. But then he puts some of the responsibility on us. How many of you have been healed? How many of you used to live the wrong kind of life? And you're here. See, Jesus answered that. He fixed that. He said, I'm going to offer you mercy and grace. I'm going to offer you salvation. I'm going to offer you a healing. But, look at the rest of that. He says, pick up your mat and walk. You see, you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. We have a responsibility as a Christian. It's one thing for Jesus to say you're healed. It's one thing for Jesus to say you're saved. But what the true part of it is, is what's going to be your reaction? Because a lot of people think that Jesus speaks words and all of a sudden everything's all rosy. But there's a responsibility on the recipient's part. Several times in the Bible it talks about Jesus' healing. And what's the one thing that Jesus always says to them? Go. Don't tell anybody. Pick up your mat and walk. Go. Most of it is followed by some type of action that the person receiving it must do. He has to do something. She has to do something. You know, the woman at the well, go and sin no more. It was an action on her part that she says, if I want what God gives me, what Jesus is offering, I've got to do something too. I started coming to this church about, uh, about nine years ago. And I was much like the, the, the role that Sharon played. We come to this church uh, the first time. We kind of fell in love with this church. We come back the following Sunday, and and it just made our minds up that this was the place that we had to be. I've been going to a church for two years out in the desert. I ran the sound booth, and nobody knew my name. The pastors didn't even know who I was. They asked me every Sunday, you new here? I'm the one micing them up, and they're asking me, you new here? I come to this church. Joy and I walked in the door, and we met Bob and Madeline Tanner. They hugged our necks. They told us they loved us. And they said, welcome. Monday morning, John, John uh, uh, Faircloth, Pastor John Faircloth, he showed up at my doorstep, knocked on the door, and says, I'm here just to say hi. And he hung out with me. We unpacked a couple boxes. He prayed for our house. He brought me one of them coffee mugs that you guys were taking home, but it was full of mints, so we had a few mints, and we just had a good old time. And, and when he left, he prayed over the house. He prayed for Joy and I, and he left. I showed up the next Sunday morning, walked in the door. Bob and Madeline Tanner said, Hi, Joy, how are We knew we had a home. But what did I do about it? For a while, I come on Sunday mornings, loved to worship. I loved the, the preaching. The people were great. And every evening or every morning, I'd walk out the door, and everybody know James Cosahan? James Cosahan would come up to Joy and I. He goes, Y'all coming back for Sunday school? Well, James, you know, I've got some things I need to take care of. Uh, you know, my yard needs mowed. You know, I, I'm just busy. I got a lot. Of, we'll try to get back. Y'all coming back tonight, Sunday night, because we used to do a full-fledged Sunday night service. Worship, music, the whole thing. You know, now we got smokers, but he'd say, y'all come back tonight. Well, I don't know, James. I, I, I'll try, but, you know, I've got a lot of things I'm going on. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I've got to hurry up because I've got to go eat because the ball game's getting ready to start. The race is getting ready to kick off. I've got grass to mow, 
And all the other things that I don't even want to tell you I was doing when I shouldn't have been doing it was on my mind, and I had to hurry up and get home. And the last thing on my mind was to come back to this place for more church. But I called myself a Christian. I called myself wanting to get the benefits of accepting Christ in my life. I called myself a born-again, a new creature. But much like this character here, I just kept on as life was the norm. Life went on. I felt the call of God finally getting to me and going, Wayne, do you really want to get well? Do you really want to move on? It was so much, I had to write this statement down because I pulled it out of one of my, uh, one of my, my devotions. And it says, hold on, I've got to find it here. Because it's really important. I heard God tell me this statement. Are you ready for what will happen when, you're really, when you really encounter me? Are you really sure that you can handle what I'm about to give you? And that's kind of what the guy at the pool did. The guy at the pool was asked a question, point blank, do you want to get well? He never did answer, but Jesus healed him anyway. But then Jesus told him to get up and walk, and that's what he did. If you've got your Bible still open, I want, I want you to look on. We're going we're gonna to look on. I can get back here and find my place. He picked up his mat and he walked. Jesus saw this guy's pain. Remember, it was Jesus walked up to him and initiated it all. Jesus asked him if he wants to get well. The guy made some, 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 some excuses of why he didn't want to get well, but for whatever reason, Jesus is Jesus, and Jesus does certain things because Jesus can do whatever he wants to do. But I think the lesson was that even though you may not think that you want what he offers, he knows it, and he offers it anyway. The thing that I want us to target on is what the guy did when Jesus said, you're cured. He got up, he picked up his mat, and he walked. Two times from verses 9 to 15, if you look ahead, two times in verses 9 to 15, it says that this guy went somewhere. When Jesus said you're healed, pick up your mat and go, it said that's exactly what he did. He picked up his mat and he left. And on towards the end of that, he ran back into Jesus and Jesus told him, don't do it anymore. Because worse is going to happen if you go back to that old life. And it said he went and found the Pharisees and the Sadducees and told them that Jesus just healed me. The first time he met them, he didn't have a clue. He said, I don't know who that guy was. I just know he told me to get up and walk, and I did. Can you picture the guy that had been sitting there for 38 years? When Jesus told him to get up, would you have got up? If you didn't know who this guy was? Can you imagine the shaky legs when he finally stood up? His knees were quivering. And then he got up and went, wow, I'm standing. And then he said, hmm, now I've got to get that thing up. And he bent over and he was able to pick it up and roll it up. See, I'm an old army guy. You roll your mat up before you go and you tuck it up underneath your arm. And then he took that first step. What kind of faith does that 
to a guy that's been sitting there for 38 years and he blames everybody. Nobody's there to help me. And this stranger walks up and says, you're healed. Get up and walk. He had to get up, pick up his mat, tuck it under his arm, and he took off walking. He didn't even know who this guy was. But he walked. He did it out of faith. Later in that verse, at close to verse 15, it says he went to the Pharisees and said, Jesus healed me. Now that's the third part of this whole thing with Jesus. First you have an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus can heal and he can save. The second is, is you've got to act and do something about it. And then the third thing is you've got to go tell somebody. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus does, you respond and obey, and then you go tell somebody else. And that's what this guy did in, in, in a short 15 verses. That he lived out the gospel right there. And Jesus was there every step of the way. Now see, this guy could have done just what Sharon did in her skit. Jesus could have said, you're healed, and he could have stayed right there on the ground, comfortable in his surroundings. He could have stayed right there on the ground because that's where all of his friends were. He could have stayed right there on the ground because he was too afraid of what was going to happen when he got up and took off walking. Anybody ever been there? Afraid of the change that God's going to make in your life? Afraid of the things that he's going to ask you to give up? Afraid of the things he's going to take away from you? Then they're done that. This guy could have sat right there on the floor beside that water with all of his friends in the same situation under the same circumstances that God just healed him from and he could have wallowed there for the rest of his life. But instead, he got up and he moved. And that's the lesson for us is we have to respond the same way. We have to get up and move. You think after 38 years, this guy would have got healed. But see, it took me until I was about 40-some before I actually accepted Christ into my life. Do the math. I was born in 1957, and I gave my life to the Lord in 2000. So I ran for a long time. And I sat by that pool, too, for a long time. And I didn't think nobody could ever help me. I didn't think God had, a, had, 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 had uh, anything to do with me. I didn't want anything to do with Him. I got saved, and I went for a few more years, and Joy will tell you, uh, I, we went for a couple of years, and we kind of just played around at doing church. But then we got to a point where when God started calling on us and said, do you really want what I have to offer? Do you really want what I can give you? And we said yes. Our lives have been blown open. We have more friends than we've ever known in our life. We're busier than sometimes we want to be. But it's all because God gives us the strength and the power to do it. We're involved in ministries that's just, it consumes us and takes time from us because that's what we want to do. We wake up in the morning thinking, what more can I do? I go to bed thinking, what more can I do? And sure, there's hard times. There's times when I just don't feel like getting out of bed. There's times when I just don't feel like coming to church. I'd rather stay home and watch the game. But you know, that's where DVRs are, are, are invented. You know, you hit the DVR and you go home and watch it. 
That's where the iPhones come in, because I can slip behind when Pastor Kyle isn't looking, and I can check the score. We sit in a staff meeting, and most of the people are like this. And Pastor Penny, she don't have one of these things, and she says, put the smartphones down. So I said, you know? But that's, but that's what happens when God says, do you want to get well? And then that's what happens when your answer is yes. Now, sure, none of y'all, or, or, or some of y'all, may not become pastors. You may not go on step. You may not lead women's and men's Bible studies. But still, God's got an answer and a call for you. Everybody believe we're all called to be ministers? The Bible teaches that. And see, some people, that's why they don't want to get active, because they're afraid that they're going to have to do ministry work. Well, ministry work can be just to, where you just share your story with the neighbor. Doesn't mean you've got to lead a Bible study. Doesn't mean you're going to be called up to pray in front of somebody. Doesn't mean you're going to be called to join the staff. Doesn't mean you're going to be preaching and teaching. What it does mean is you're going to get healed, and then you're going to go and tell somebody. That's what it means. So what do we do with a story, with a story like this? Let me, let me ask you a question. And, and, and you know, I, I've, I've tried to do this on several occasions, and I've kind of got confused on, on how God wants to do it. And I, so I finally just said, you know what? God never wants to hide the reality that people want what he offers. He does it open. He does it in public. And he does it freely. So I asked myself when I got this message, and we started, I started talking about this to God, about how, how do we go from, from taking this guy at the well, this guy that sits beside the pool, that finally gets it. He finally answers the question and says, I want what God has to offer, and then he goes about doing it. He gets up, he's healed, he goes and tells somebody else that, God has, that Jesus has healed him, and from that point on, we assume, because we're never told, and I want to believe, that this guy became an evangelist. Can you imagine his friends and his family? Can you imagine the testimony he has that I sat by that pool in, in Bethesda, Maryland, for 38 years? And just as I got ready to get in the water, somebody would jump in in front of me. But now I'm walking. Now I'm healed. I'm no longer an invalid. I'm no longer tied down to the things that tied me down before. And God said, here's what we do with this lesson. First of all, we accept it as truth. That Jesus can heal any, any one of us of anything, anytime He chooses. You believe that? What did it say about the waters? of whatever ails them, whatever illness they have, whatever pain they're having, whatever trouble was, was bothering them, whatever situation they're put in, He can heal that just like that. That's lesson number one. We have to believe that we have a God that can heal anything, anytime, simply by saying, get up and take your mat and go. Lesson number two is, is we have a responsibility. You know, it's great to believe, you know, and, and, and oh, I believe in Jesus, and, and I'm a born-again Christian. And go on and live your life like you always lived your life. I'm here to tell you, 
I don't think that you're a Christian if you get saved and you believe that you if you believe in Jesus, you believe in God, and you continue to live the way you used to live. You have to make a change. Jesus' lesson here was this guy made a change. This guy went from his circumstances of sitting by a pool of water for 38 years to moving and going and getting out into the world. We don't know where he went. Who knows where he went? He could have been one of the members of the Acts Church. We don't know. It's not important for us to know. What we do know, he left there. And that's what we have to do. We have to accept the things in our life that we cannot control. Accept the things that we cannot fix. Accept the things that we can't do anything about healing. Let him heal them, and then we need to move on from that situation and get away from it. That's the, that's, that's the lesson, too. And then the third lesson is we've got to go tell somebody. You know, one of the biggest things for us in outreach, and the biker ministry does this well, is we've got to get out of the comfort zone, and we've got to get out there and tell people what Jesus has done for us. We've got people in our own group that have done jail time. They've gone through divorces. They've gone through drug and alcohol addictions. They've gone through, you know, split up marriages. But if you truly believe this story, and you truly want to live out this story, is we've got to leave that behind and move on to the next chapter in our life and be free. See, the invalid was free once he got up and took his mat and left. We have to be free. We have to leave. So we all have struggles. We all have issues. But what are we doing about it? Are we willing to leave them behind and get up and change? Are we willing to accept what Jesus offers us, that healing of any situation, and move away from it? Because the longer we stay in that situation, the less likely we really truly got a healing to start with. Everybody understand that? So what I want to do is, is I, you know, I don't, I don't want to hide anything. If you've got problems in your life, if you've got issues that's holding you back, if there's something crippling you, I want you to come up here and kneel at the altar in front of the stage and leave it in God's hands. Ask God to heal you. Because I'm going to, hear, I'm going to tell you, I think He's saying right now to each and every one of us, do you want to get well? Do you want to get better? Do you want to leave that behind and move on and accept what He has to offer? That's what He's asking us to do. We all have them. So I like, I like you know, if you feel it, come on up here, kneel and pray. I'd like to pray with you. We'll all pray with you. We'll join it. If you don't, pray right where you're at. But I sense that God's asking us, do you want to get well? Do you want to get better? Do you fully want what He has to offer? And then are you ready to make the change that He's ready to give you? I've seen it so many times. I see it right here in, in this group. There's people amongst us that are so far out of their comfort zone, it's unreal. Because God told them to go. God told them to pick up their mat and walk. And they're doing things that we know aren't in their power. It's in God's power. Everybody stand up. Some of y'all were shy. The closing words I'd like to leave you with is this right here. Don't hesitate. 
If you have something in your life that's holding you back from what God wants you to be, I ask you to give it to Him today and then leave it behind. I promise you, you won't be like the cripple. There's a group of people here. There's a church here. And we have a loving God that will not leave you crippled for 38 years without any help. Because you have the help here. You have the help in the friends here that can help you get through. But you've got to first reach out. And then you've got to accept that help and accept that change. Your healing can start tonight. And I'm here to tell you, you can be just like that invalid. You can get up and walk out of here a brand new person. You can walk out of here healed once and for all. You can stand straight. You can be complete. But you've got to let God do it. So here's the question I want to leave you with. If Jesus was standing right here beside you right now, let me back up. If sitting on the chair beside you was the winning numbers to tomorrow's lottery, would you peek? Would you write them down? Would you leave here, even though we Nazarenes say we don't gamble, and buy a lottery ticket? Some would. I'd be tempted. I'm not going to lie to you. So if you know you're standing so close to a healing and so close to a pool of water that's been stirred, will you say yes to it? Will you accept it? And will you step out and do something about it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this time together, and I thank You for this group that's come together to to praise and worship You and to hear from You. I thank You for the words that You gave me, and I don't know what they did to anybody's heart out there, but I know what they did to me. It's helped me to leave some things behind that, uh, that I've been battling with, that I've been struggling with. And I pray that somebody here tonight has just received that healing. They've received that word from you that, that, that tells them it's going to be okay. They've received that, that love and that mercy and that forgiveness and that grace that you offer. Maybe even that forgiveness that, that some of us need. I ask you to continue to be with us tonight as we fellowship and as we, we depart here and go home and just continue to help us to reflect on how close you truly are to us and how much you really offer us. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this audience tonight that doesn't know you or has wandered a little bit away from you or has not become fully committed to you and to serving you and obeying you, I ask for you to touch them right now. And I ask for you to heal them. And I ask for you to give them that new spirit in their life that when they leave here, they know they're a changed individual. They know that they're whole. They know they're brand new. And they'll walk out of here with you by their side. Lord, I thank you for a church that opens the doors and allows people to come as they are. And I thank you for the visitors here tonight and all that have come out just to, to, to worship with us. This is an awesome thing. How big it grows is up to you. We just want to be obedient and say, if you want us to continue to do this, Lord, we'll be here the second Friday of every month. And we'll do just this for one or for hundreds. It doesn't matter. Because I, for one, just want to be here in your presence. 
Lord, I thank you for all that have helped to and volunteered their time and their effort to, to set all this up. And I just ask a rich blessing on each and every person in this building tonight. Help us to just to, re, to, to feel your comfort. Help us to go in peace. And until we are back together as a body of Christ, just to continue to watch after us, bless us, and keep us safe. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.